floating markets, sharing food with monks, and a place called Pad Thai Street. This week, we're in Bangkok, talking to TV and travel legend Joseph Rosendo of Travelscope. Traveling the world to bring you delicious dishes, tasty beverages, and interesting experiences. This is the Destination Eat Drink Podcast on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. I'm Brent Peterson. Welcome to Destination Eat Drink, the travel podcast for foodies. Each week, we explore a different part of the world and the food and fun things to do in that place. And this week, I've got a special show. We're in Bangkok, Thailand, and I'm talking with travel legend Joseph Rosendo. You know Joseph because he's the host of the TV show Travel Scope. It's been on PBS for 11 seasons. They've got a 12th season coming out next year. Joseph also hosted a radio show for over 20 years. He's won six Emmys and countless other awards. Like I said, this guy is a legend. So you can imagine how excited I was when we got to talk for the podcast. We talk about Joseph's career, something he calls the travel love test, and one of his favorite places, Taiwan. But most of our time is spent in Bangkok and Thailand. Joseph tells me about the difference in spiciness between Thai food in Thailand and Thai food in the U.S., Plus, he tells me about the green papaya salad and the worst traffic jam ever. But before we get to Joseph, if you're new to the show, make sure to subscribe. You can do that on any of the podcast platforms. We're on all of them. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, RadioMisfits.com. Subscribe and you'll get the show downloaded to your device automatically every Friday. Destination Eat Drink. Joseph, thank you so much for being on Destination Eat Drink. You know, we're talking in the middle of this very strange time, especially for folks like us who love to travel so much. Um, how are you handling the current health crisis and pandemic? Well, um, you know, handling it as best as a travel show can be imagined to handle it. Of course, you know, we are, we started off this year, 2020, with uh, big ideas of doing our 12th season of Travel Scope and getting into, in, into our 315 different shows and getting those completed. But then we had um, the virus kind of delayed our, our best m laid plans. And so we're in the process of putting that together. Uh, but it's going to take us a little longer than we thought because we obviously can't travel. Americans are still not allowed to come to Europe because of how bad the pandemic is being handled here in the United States as opposed to the rest of the world. So we're kind of outsiders. And so that's kept us from our European travels where we had some shoots planned. We did manage to get a couple of uh, shows under our belt, um, our, our show for the uh, holiday, uh, the Puka Festival in Ireland, which is basically their Halloween celebration. We did that last November, and we were able to get that in, and uh, then uh, a couple of shows um, in other destinations. We have shows in Taiwan. We have uh, shows that we're putting together, um, a cruise of Alaska, and those shows we did get done. But we still have a few more to shoot, so we're hoping to have the opportunity to get going on that. In the meantime, I've been uh, doing something that I've been wanting to do for about 20 years, which is to put together a book, which is a collection of uh, stories that I wrote for 
our publication, which started out as a newsletter and print publication. We did that for about um, 20 years, and then it transitioned into an online magazine. So that it still lives on online as our Travelscope magazine. But uh, there was a column I did for uh, over the course of about 30 years called Musings, which were just that, when I travel musings, which were tips and, and how-tos and uh, good uh, nuts and bolts directions for people, and then a number of stories that were more uh, personal and more had to do with my own travel, my own life journey. And those have been are going to be collected and come out in the end of August of this year, I hope. Uh, that's the plan, and uh, that's, a, that's a long time dream come true. And if it wouldn't have been for the pandemic, I probably would have never gotten it done. I wanted to talk to you today about an episode that you did on season 11 of Joseph Resendo's Travel Scope about Bangkok and Thailand because right. I've done I've done uh, almost 90 episodes of the podcast and surprisingly I've never touched on Bangkok and Thailand. So this gives me the opportunity to talk to somebody who's uh, who's been there and uh, who did a show about it. So when I go to a new city, one of the things that I first look for is the market. And in your show, you visited a couple of markets, but the one that really struck me was this amazing floating market. Can you tell me a little bit more about this floating market? Because it looks just exquisite. Back in the day, before they had cars, um, every, uh, every market was a floating market, practically, and um, in, in, particularly in the village areas of Thailand. And now it's become a, a tourist uh, destination for many people. There are several. It's the, well, let me give you the spelling, D-A-M-N-O-E-N-S-A-D-U-A-K market. This market is a, a very good example of the way markets used to be. But before they had roads and they had cars, because a lot of the canals of Bangkok particularly were um, covered over by asphalt for the for the automobile. So they, Bangkok lost a lot of the, its canals. Uh, it still has its main main canal, uh, and the markets went that went also the way of the canals. But they still have these this market that people can visit where they give them a sense of what the, the what the history used to be and what the traditional way that people shop in in the river city river towns and out in the countryside. And so it's a very colorful market. I uh, highly recommend people try to add that into any itinerary to around Bangkok, uh, 100 kilometers. That's about 60 miles southwest of Bangkok. So it is a, a bit of it's, it wouldn't pop it overnight. But um, Bangkok itself is, of course, super packed with things to do. The, the Grand Palace that is there, um, that uh, people are still allowed to visit. Um, then, of course, all the different locations in Bangkok itself, the, the different districts in Bangkok. There's a furniture-making district. There's a pottery district. There's a district that supplies um, goods to the monks of, of, of Thailand as well. So, And there's a, um, a jewelry and stone district. There's a flower market. There are the famous market, street markets that we mentioned. And, and I know you do a, a food uh, uh, emphasis in your show, food and drink. Yes. Um, there are streets in areas in Thailand where 
they feature specific foods, like there's Patai Street, where you walk down the street, and uh, or it's called Patai Street. Of course, that's not the name of it, but it and you'll find five or six uh, or more uh, restaurants that all they do is Patai, and you know Patai, the great tremendous uh, Thai noodle dish, and and, you know, and at ridiculously inexpensive prices, you know for basically a dollar or two. You could have an amazing meal of very good pad thai. But that and so that's you know, that that's the kind of that's kind of the wonder of Bangkok. It's extremely busy, extremely noisy, a lot of traffic. I was in a traffic jam with a, in a cab once or a trishaw once and we were and and, and he, he stopped the the vehicle and um we sat there and sat there and sat there waiting just for the traffic to move, and finally the traffic started to move, and our driver jumped out, ran ahead of us, and, and knocked on the window of the of the cab in front of us because the cab driver had fallen asleep. <laughs> that's how that's how long we had been sitting there. So he had to run over, knock on the window, and say, "Wake up, God, let's go!" While well, we have a chance to go. So I thought that was a tremendous indication that when people talk about traffic, and like I live in Los Angeles, so people talking about traffic in Los Angeles, which is is pretty horrendous, is especially in the, along the freeways at times. Uh, nothing compares to the traffic of Bangkok. You you just get prepared to go very very slow, and traveling by trishaw, the little motorcycles like vehicles is is not only probably the best way to get through the city, it's also the most adventurous way to get through the city because at least three or four times on a trip, you'll you'll almost hit another car or another car shell or some people or a bicyclist. So, you know, it's a, it's a tremendous, it's that kind of a, of a city. So if you want that experience, Bangkok does that. But then Thailand has a whole wealth of uh, natural uh, areas where you can go and, and truly be able to appreciate how beautiful naturally Thailand is. And then it has a number of resort areas like the many beaches, uh, Phuket and the others, uh, where you can Koh Samui, where you can have a, a, as wonderful a beach experience as you can have on any Caribbean island. So, you know, Thailand is a, a very exciting and uh, exciting destination, not only for the for what it has to offer, but for the people, the people are probably the sweetest, nicest people that I've, I've met anywhere among the, the nicest I've met anywhere. And I've met a lot of wonderful people in my travels. You mentioned the monks in Thailand, and there's a tradition of giving the monks food in uh, yes. in Thailand. And you showed this on your on your program and it was very moving. Um, can you describe this tradition and what it was like for you to participate in it? Uh, most men in their life spend some part, and so it could be as much as six months, but they to have a, a monk experience. Uh, and it's part of be, being a man, being a well-rounded man in Thailand, is most of, of people have that as part of their life at some time in their life. Now, of course, there are, are, are people that are that are devoted to the monkhood life. And um, it, what's interesting in Thailand, there are a couple of things about the whole monk experience in Thailand. One of them is what you're talking about is in the morning, uh, Chiang Mai particularly has some of the most wonderful 
temple complexes anywhere, in, and, and Chiang Mai particularly is the temple uh, city. And you can go early in the morning, 5 o'clock in the morning, and be there when the monks are up and doing their chanting, and be a part of that, and be a, a, an onlooker, observer, participant in, in, your, in a, in a non-obtrusive way. And uh, we were able to capture that in our show, and, and that was a wonderful magical experience be there when the the, the at the temples that are up on on the on the mountain sides on the mountain tops uh, be there for sunrise it's absolutely a spiritual wonderful moving experience but the monks after they do their morning prayers and devotions then they go out and part of their experience is to create to collect alms from the people it's an opportunity for the non-monk part of the population to participate in that spiritual experience by giving to and helping support the monkhood uh, in Thailand and the monks in Thailand. And that's one way you do it. It's also uh, humbling and uh, teaching experience for the monks themselves. So. You'll have through the town, you'll have uh, monks walking the streets early in the morning with their alms bowls, um, and you purchase food to give to them. Um, you can also go to temples where you can participate in that early morning prayers I was talking about, and then stay and purchase some of the food from even in the temples to give to the monks that will come there. And the monk, and you, in return, you're given a blessing. It was such a intimate, personal experience for me that uh, you know it, it, it moved me to tears and in the show, and and we decided to you know to keep it in the show. There was some discussion actually about it because my producer said, "Well, you, you might make some of the, the viewers nervous or, or embarrassed or uncomfortable." And I said, "Well, you know, this is exactly the experience that we want to share: is that if you participate in in this culture in, in this manner, if you be become a part of a cult, the culture in 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 practicing its customs." and honoring its beliefs that there is a, a gift that you get from doing that. So what I gave was nothing compared to what I got in return. And so, and that, that is certainly something I would recommend that uh, any visitor to Thailand um, find out how, where that's, where, where those, where the services are being held and also how to put themselves in a position where they can have that interaction. Another thing that you can do in Thailand, and we did when we were in Bangkok, was to arrange in some of the temples uh, a monk chat where you can sit where English-speaking monks uh, will meet with you. Uh, we had three that met with us, and, and you get to ask them questions about Buddhism, about what it's like to be a monk, uh, about uh, their relationship with the laity, with the people, and and how they envision what their their role within that society, and that that was a fabulous opportunity that we had at one of the uh, the temple complexes. 
That's really why we travel, right, Joseph? To have these experiences one-on-one to make a connection with other human beings, however that is. I wanted to go back to something that you mentioned because I found this very interesting. You said there is a place that's unofficially called Pad Thai Street. There's different streets for different dishes. So my question to you, Joseph, is when we have Pad Thai, whether it's in Bangkok or somewhere else in Thailand— Are there any differences between what we would get at an American joint, maybe run by people from Thailand, but still an American restaurant that serves Thai food, and getting Pad Thai in Bangkok or in Thailand? Absolutely. And the main uh, difference is that you're in the United States, and your your Thai chef is uh, modifying the dishes in order to please their expectation and their uh, thinking about what you're going to like. The American palate. American palate, right. Uh, you know, because uh, um, some Americans are very adventurous and others are not. And if you're trying to have a business in the United States, you're probably going to have to calm things down a bit, particularly when it comes to spice, because I'm, I'm sure you've had Thai food. I'm sure your listeners have had Thai food, or if they haven't, they should. And one thing that will stand out in many of the dishes is the Thai spices. And, you know, and we're, and we're talking about spice, too. I, I like to make a difference between that. I'm sure you have in your, your podcast many times, is that there's a difference between hot and there's a difference between spicy. And, yes, often spicy food is hot, but uh, what you're trying to find is the, the kind of spice that actually brings in a lot of flavor to the food as a opposed to just heat. And in Thailand, you'll have the more authentic opportunities to have that experience, where the food can be incredibly spicy as far as hot is concerned. That's true. But what you'll start to realize when you, if if you've had both, is that in Thailand, you will start to notice the flavors of the how the spice complements the dish. And that's when you know that you're having an opportunity to have a, an authentic experience. It's not just a bunch of spice thrown in because, oh, yeah, you know, Americans know that there's uh, Thai food is spicy, hot, so we're not going to make it too hot. We're going to make it kind of medium hot, which is that's not the purpose of Thai spices. It's not too make things hot so that you can't eat it and you have to be in pain. Uh, it's to bring out the flavor in the foods. Some of my some of my favorite foods is tom yum goon or spicy shrimp soup. I sometimes that's the only that's the only dish I would get. It's just that. Uh lemongrass has a wonderful flavor of well it's actually a lime leaves and shallots and there's chilies, there's lemongrass, yes, as well. And um, and then and fish sauce, not, not salt that you take out of a salt shaker, but fish sauce. And all that together, and with the prongs, brings in normally mushrooms as well. They just make a, a wonderfully flavorful dish. Yes, you can have it. It can be very, very hot, and and, and for our palace maybe cause us a little pain and suffering, <laughs> but um, there, there's such joy in the in the celebration of it. Another dish I like an awful lot is their spicy, spicy green papaya salad. It's 
can be very spicy also, but it's it's just very fresh and 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 very alive tasting. It would be how I describe it. I already told you about pad thai, which um, you can get in a number of different ways, and which like the, it's almost like the national dish dish of Thailand. Although I'm sure there are a lot of Thais that say we hardly ever eat pad thai, guy. <laughs> We have so many wonderful um, dishes you've never even thought of that um, that we don't need to settle for that. And one of, one of if, you're, if you're looking for a spicy dish, if you've got the uh, the the guts to go for it, the spicy Thai uh, spicy squid salad is my favorite. And it's just um, can be extremely uh, hot and spicy, but the, it tastes it's so good you can't stop eating it. And you know, so I end up with your mouth is a flame, uh, a blaze, but you're just smiling the whole time. You're sweating and smiling. It's very interesting. Well, would you wash that down with Joseph? What would be the drink of choice when you have that spicy squid salad? Well, the Thai the Thai beer is is got to be Chang or uh, what's it? Singha, which is uh, the the Thai beers, sure. and um, I'm actually a, a kind of a, a wino. I love uh, wines, and that's my my favorite uh, uh, drink of choice at, over at a dinner. But in Thailand, I never have wine. The, the thing that you have to have is their beers, and they have they have many. We have a pale semblance of them here in the United States. We get the export, which is always a, a lesser variety than what you get in the home brew. So, yeah, beer and, uh, and the beer helps, by the way, uh, calm down the spice that's in the chilies, too. So. Sure, sure. Yeah, it's not, you, you don't want a really hoppy, strong beer. You want something light, refreshing to kind of wash that, wash that heat out of your mouth, at least temporarily, before you take the next bite. Absolutely. And rice helps too for that 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 as well. Oh, good point. Uh, if 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 you're in if you've if you've bitten in, you've bitten into a chili, you're sorry you did. Uh, you can calm it down a bit with rice, but the, the beer is is a good way to go. Joseph, I wanted to ask you. I've, your show has eleven seasons on the air. You've got a twelfth season coming up. You've been doing this for a really long time, and. Your wife, Julie, is a producer on the show. I often see her on camera, um, sometimes like sitting in the back of a boat or, you know, and sometimes she's front and center. But I wanted to ask you, what's it like traveling and working uh, with your spouse so closely? It's an interesting experience. And one of the other stories in my uh, in my book, which is, by the way, I should give you the title. It's called Musings, The Short Happy Pursuit of Pleasure and other journeys. One of the stories is devoted to the travel love test. Um, (laughs) Taking a a significant other, how do you find out if they're really somebody you want to spend the rest of your life with, or at least a good portion of your your life with, uh, is is by taking them on a on a trip, and then you really get to know people. So, uh, just the act of traveling with the person you love and the person you're having a relationship with is an educational experience and uh, a wonderful, beautiful experience. Um, it's and my dream come true, uh, one I held for all of my life, and uh, as a travel writer, and that going on now. Yikes! Uh, something like forty years. Um, so to have that actually come to fruition is is, is amazing. Uh, so so just traveling with a significant other is going to teach you something about 
of that person and about yourself and about you both together. And hopefully, it'll be a wonderful uh, discovery that you'll make, and it'll just be the beginning of, of a beautiful relationship. Uh, for, fortunately for me, that's been the case over my life, and, and, and I've never really had been on a trip with somebody I hated, thank God, uh, except except when I was working with other people besides my wife. Uh, the challenge of being together in a significant relationship and traveling together plus working together, huh, that it becomes a uh, uh, becomes an incredible challenge, a wonderful challenge. It has tremendous rewards. It has some downsides. Uh, let me just put it this way. My wife and I don't always agree. She is a producer. I am the director, the writer, and the host. So I do have something to say about what's going on. And she has certainly has something to say and something to add to uh, what we're doing as well. We're equal partners right, right. in this endeavor. But it, it is a challenge. Uh, you know, I always tell my wife that, you know, we've, we've been married since um, uh, 2008, uh, so going on uh, 12 years. And I say, you know, Julie, I think that uh, really it's like we've been together for 24 years because we spend almost every waking moment with each other, even when we're home because we're doing our business. Uh, you know, as you know, the business of being a travel writer or a travel journalist does not stop with your trip. You have a lot of other uh, business that you need to uh, be uh, involved in, uh, apart from that the experience of just traveling. It was just the traveling. wouldn't be so bad. It's everything else that's involved <laughs> in it, too. So, so we've spent about 24 years together, even though we've only been together uh, 15, I think now 12 to 13, 14 uh, years now. But we've spent double that amount together. So I'm, I'm happy for that because uh, she, she's a wonderful, talented, uh, brilliant woman. And I'm just fortunate to have had the opportunity to have spent so much of my life with her. You have uh, a season 12 coming up of um, Travelscope. What's the plan? Tell, tell me what we can expect. When will it debut? What's going to be on season 12? Okay, I will do that. And if you don't mind, I'd like to tell people who if they'd like to get more information about what what we're up to and what we're doing, uh, not only in season 12, because we have over, wonderfully, we're on PBS uh, here in the United States and uh, syndicated around the world, but on PBS here in the United States and in Canada. And uh, if people go to our website, Travelscope.net, they can follow all more than 300 television shows that we have already airing and that continue to air on PBS stations uh, around the country. So I'd like to direct them to Travelscope.net where they can read our online magazine. Uh, we also have our podcasts and our, our blogs, and they can learn about our upcoming book and our upcoming season. In season 12, as I mentioned to you, uh, we're going to we're starting off with um, our our Halloween show in Ireland, um, the, Ireland's ancient East, they call it, and it's the Puka Festival. It's what it's called uh, there after one of the gods, uh, the spirits of Halloween, the Puka, and uh, and then we're. Um, 
featuring South Africa, one of our adventures in South Africa, uh, to uh, Shamari, which was a game reserve there, and we also were in Johannesburg and uh, in, in Cape Town, and went to wine, a winery in Cape Town, which is part of that show. But the highlight is our experience in the Shamari Game Reserve. Uh, we also have a show uh, that covers uh, a tour, a cruise to Alaska. Alaska through Alaska's Inside Passage, which is, of course, the best way to do it. I mean, there's lots of ways to explore Alaska and to go to many of the destinations we cover in the show. Um, but uh, an Inside Passage tour uh, will give you a great overview of the area, and then you can always come back. And I, actually, that's what I, I believe uh, – if, when cruising gets back in happening again, uh, one of the advantages of taking a cruise is to really uh, use it as a, a sampling of what you want to see in a destination. I, I've, I've never been a gigantic cruise fan myself, but the Alaska Inside Passage uh, cruise gives you a, an overview of some of the areas that you can't easily get to on your own, or you'd have to take a lot of time in order to get to do it on the, by rail, for instance. And it will also uh, whet your appetite for places you want to come back to. Um, we're we're doing a show called The Best of Taiwan. Uh, I don't know how familiar you are with Taiwan. Not at all, except from your show. <laughs> well, well, good. We have about ten shows on Taiwan, and when I first started doing shows on Taiwan uh, back. Uh, well, back at the beginning, back in 2007, when we first started out, our first season, um, uh, second season of Travelscope had our first two shows on Taiwan, I really didn't know what I was going to discover and figured that one half-hour show or maybe two half-hour shows would be enough to cover everything that there is to see in Taiwan. Well, ten shows later, um, there are still things to go back and discover there. It's... Uh, not a big country, as you know, it's an island, an island with islands, uh, very close and constantly threatened by the Chinese Republic, uh, but um, a fascinating culture. I like to tell people who, who, when, who are interested in going to China, if you really want to, to see Chinese tradition and have a sense of the real, real China, go to Taiwan. Because in Taiwan, the Chinese culture is alive and well and has been kept that way through all these many years of, of the, 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 the different kinds of political changes that have taken place in, in mainland China. So you, you can really get a sense of the Chinese culture there, spirit of China, uh, you know, their temples, uh, their, their gods. Their festivals are all alive and rooted in the uh, the people who live in Taiwan, in Taiwan. And then, besides that, on top of that, not only do you have the you know the Chinese culture in Taiwan, you have the indigenous peoples of Taiwan. Mm -hmm. uh, there's 14 uh, indigenous tribes uh, that were there before the Han Chinese came over and. I believe in the 13th century, and um, and they still still remain and still practice their and thanks to the Chinese, the Taiwanese government that is, that that is here now, not the Taiwanese government that was there in the early days after the revolution in China, which was very destructive, and the Japanese occupation of Taiwan as well was very destructive to the uh, indigenous people. 
but they have helped them build back their cultures, and so you get to partake of that side of Taiwan too, which is completely different than um, the the Chinese part of uh, the Chinese, the Taiwanese Chinese part of the uh, Taiwanese experience. And besides that, it's a beautiful country. It's extremely mountainous. They have what they call the Taroko Gorge, which is um, a, a mini Grand Canyon, if you will, made out of marble uh, with amazing hikes, uh, beautiful vistas, and once again, uh, native people that are that you will get to meet and 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 learn about. So so that's what we're doing. A show called The Best of Thailand, which is basically a roundup of some of the uh, twelve shows of the twelve shows that we've done, with adding a little bit of additional spice to it. And then we'll be back in in Thailand to cover the beaches and festivals of Thailand, including the uh, Lantern Festival, uh, which the uh, the that takes place in, in Chiang Mai, and uh, another wonderful Thai uh, festival and experience that people can have when they go to Thailand. Well, we're very much looking forward to uh, Season 12 of Joseph Rosendo's Travel Scope. We'll include links to your website and to other materials for folks to check out in the show notes of the podcast. Joseph, before I let you go, I love how you sign off at the end of every episode of Joseph Rosendo's Travel Scope. Would you do us the favor of signing off this podcast the same way? Sure, I would. Well, this is Joseph Rosendo reminding you of the words of Mark Twain. Travel is fatal to prejudice, bigotry, and narrow-mindedness. Happy traveling. All right, there you go. Me and travel legend Joseph Rosendo on the podcast. I don't know when I'm going to get to go to Thailand Bangkok. I don't know when I'm going to get to go to Taiwan. I don't know when I'm going to get to go to the next state over, but I do know two things that are indisputable facts. One, Joseph's quote about Mark Twain is 100% true, and his travel love test, definitely a thing. You'll never get to know someone better than when you take a trip with them. Well, that's going to do it for this week. Next week, it's all about rock stars on the podcast. Until then, head over to DestinationEatDrink.com. My latest blog post is about a unique liqueur from Malta called Bajtra. It's pink. It's made out of prickly pears. It is delicious, and it's got a unique story. DestinationEatDrink.com slash blog for that story. I've also spent quite a bit of time updating the site with interactive maps. They feature all my favorite places to eat, drink, shop, sleep, and have fun in over 40 international locations. You can zoom in and zoom out and see all the places that I recommend. It took me forever to finish this thing, but it's done now, and it's up on DestinationEatDrink.com. Destination Eat Drink has been distributed by Ed Silla and Radio Misfits. Thank you, Ed. I'm Brent Peterson. Wear your effing mask, and I'll see you down the road. Join us next week for another culinary adventure on Destination Eat Drink, a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network.